Welcome to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Baran, a ministry of Worship Generation Church in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, please visit us at www.worshipgeneration.com. Now let's join Pastor Joey as we study through the Bible. almost got it from the deer. If we both get it and we're both called home, this document we've signed, we're all here, there's witnesses, this clarifies what we're doing with the life insurance policy. Then we came back and we called AAA and said, look, we want successive beneficiaries to our life insurance policy. And we did that. And those policies are in place for another nine years. If Jennifer and I both go at the same time, then that 1.5 million is equally distributed to our four kids which means they can own a home in Orange County, right? See, these things, like, you you don't realize how important these things are until you're ministering in the wake of it to the people who are left behind. So I would just say this, and if you leave debt behind, that's the worst because people are already grieving and sad you've left. They're going through all that emotion. Now you've left them behind, and you've left them your debt. That's That's just... Man, people talk about loving the Lord, going to church, serving the Lord, living by faith, and they step into eternity and leave debt for their kids. That just, I'm quite certain that doesn't look good before the throne of God. That just, because it, it just, it's not consistent. Because Christ is a giver, God's a giver, not a taker. So if you step into eternity and, you, and it's all chaos and disorder, and, and some, you know, no, I thank, my, I thank God for my mom that would sit me down and say, look, do this, cremation, death certificate, San Diego, here's the, the burial plot in St. Anne's Cemetery in Cleveland. We'll do this. Here's the bank. Here's, here's the bank account numbers. See, if you're just a selfish person, you don't have anyone that loves you, you're probably not here, but if that's you, you don't even care. And it just gets absorbed. We are about eternity. We are about Jesus. We are about salvation. We are about the kingdom. But listen, this is a great fact. When you step into eternity, someone has to put you in the ground. And someone has to get your death certificate. And someone has to pack your boxes and your desk and go through your clothes that smell like you. And they have to do all that. Someone has to take care of your animal when you're gone. Don't you want someone who loves your dog to take care of your dog when you're gone? Or do you want someone who doesn't care to take them to the Humane Society to be euthanized in two weeks? Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, this is important stuff. Because when we step in eternity, people we love, we leave behind. And the cross is about others. So however the Lord would cause you to think about this text, think about others and the people you love and what your personal lifestyle, your finances look like when you step into eternity and have it in order. So when you step into eternity, it's a blessing to people who are grieving that love you when you're gone. Bring a blessing on their life. And I share this last thing on this. When my mom stepped into eternity, I had all the account numbers for her accounts and never once went into her accounts. I never needed to when she was alive. When she stepped into eternity, we went into her accounts and she had a hidden savings account with about 15000 in it. And she knew, my mom being my mom, exactly how much it cost to do everything for burying her. And I'm telling you that 15 grand was almost exactly what we needed for the three flights to go to Cleveland, the brothers and the sister to bury her, the everything, the 
the facility for the memorial in California, everything, the meal with the 20 people after the memorial, like it literally was the exact amount of money we needed to do everything. Someone had to pay for that. And my mom had the foresight to set it up, so we didn't. And it, it, you know, it's hard enough going through TSA with your mom's remains. But at least it was easier because it wasn't costing us money to do it. I broke down sobbing at TSA when I had to go through LAX with my mom's remains. And I'm glad I had an empathetic TSA guy that comforted me. It's so hard under the best of circumstances, and it's overwhelming under the worst for the people left behind. So to whatever degree this application is for you, as much as it's ministering to you by the Holy Spirit right now, I exhort you and encourage you in Jesus' name, make sure you've set your house in order. Temporal, practical, others left behind. Now, the second thing is eternal, which, is, which of course, is um, Hezekiah. You know, when you're told you're going to die, I find it interesting he's told he's going to die. He's facing the wall, and what's he do? He busts out his spiritual resume. (laughs) Look, you see, it's three bullet points. This is Now, the Holy Spirit gave him a better one. Like, when he's introduced to us a couple chapters ago, the Lord gives like eight things that are incredible about his life. But just in case, you know, who knows what Hezekiah's thing is like, he's going to remind the Lord right now. He's reminding the Lord about his life. Look what he says. He's facing the wall. He's, he's facing the wall and talking to the Lord. And he says, remember now, O Lord, I pray, one, how I've walked before you in truth. Hezekiah was a man of truth. His worldview was a Christ worldview, a biblical worldview. And he says, Lord, I'm going to eternity, and I have walked before you in truth. I have not walked in falsehood. I, I, I fulfilled Psalm 1. I delighted myself in the law of the Lord. I did not walk in, in the, the path of the evil and the, in the seat of the scornful. Lord, you know, I've walked before you in truth and with a loyal heart. So James warns about, in the New Testament about having a divided heart, and he says, I walked before you with a loyal heart. Isn't that awesome? Lord, you know my heart. God searches the deep things of the heart. God would say previously that he had, that he was like his father David. And the thing that made David great was he had a heart for the Lord. And so here he says, with a loyal heart. It wasn't yes and no with Hezekiah. Because it's not that way with the Lord. It's yes and amen in Jesus' name. And Hezekiah as the king and the leader of God's people was yes and amen with all the promises of God, a loyal heart. And I've done what was good in your sight. When you look at his life, and this isn't how he's saved. He's saved by faith, like everyone has always been since Genesis chapter 3. But he, a saving faith produces a fruitful faith. So faith without works is dead. As the body's dead without the spirit, so too is faith without works. It's the works that faith produces. We're working because we're saved, and it produces because we're his workmanship. We're not saved by works. We're saved by faith and grace. But because we're saved by faith and grace, we're his workmanship. Ephesians 2.10, we're his poema, his work of art, like a Rembrandt or a Picasso, but still, we're a work of art, right? So that's how it works. So he's like, you know, so I walk before you in truth with a loyal heart, and I've done what's good. See, let me say something. I said this Tuesday night. When you know, when the prophet Isaiah shows up at your house and says you're going to die, you want to be able to say this. Because you can't change your resume when death is near. Your resume is what it is. The best you can do is be the thief on the cross and say, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom today. Which is still better than not at all, of course. But you can't go back and redo your life. 
all the effects of the, the decisions you've made and their compound element of a life of good decisions building on each other and just a super fruitful life, which we'll see with Josiah next week. Or the compound effect of bad decisions like Ahab or Ahaz and these bad kings were one bad decision after another and they just compound and become exponential on your life and it's just you don't get two chances. Isn't it amazing to think we only live once? You might think that much about it when you're 25, but when you're 65, you think a lot more about that. Because there's no redo. All you can do is hope to find the best gear possible on the back end. See, when he says his resume before the Lord, this is eternal. This is spiritual. This is self. This is you and me looking in the mirror as we look at the wall. Because when we step into eternity, no one's going with us in that sense. We stand before the Lord alone. So we set our house in order for those we're leaving behind, and we try and equip them in their faith. We try and equip them for life skills and to pronounce and bring a blessing upon them when we step into eternity and make our passing practically more easy for them than it might have otherwise been if we were just not on our game and not thinking and just ignorant. But you're not ignorant tonight after that. But then it comes back to us. Because you can be surrounded by loved ones on your deathbed, but you're the one leaving, not them. And so we have this one-on-one with the Lord that we have to work through going into eternity. All of us. And it's so sobering. It's so sobering when, when you know you're near death. And you really know it. You're just like Job, naked I came from the womb, naked I returned, the Lord has given, the Lord has taken, blessed be the name of the Lord. It's you and the God of the universe of a trillion galaxies who made all things for Christ and are held together in Christ, who sent Christ to die on the cross for us and has sent the Holy Spirit through Christ that we can live the victorious Christian life as a disciple of Christ. It's us and him. It's what it is on the day of the Lord. Uh, with Melissa and in camp, stepping into eternity, we were all in that room, but it was her and the Lord coming right out of her coma, right into eternity, into glory. See, on the last day, for when we live a triumphant life, like Stephen in the book of Acts, when he saw the Lord coming for him, it's our destiny, it's our glory, it's our home, it's our citizenship, and it's the payoff to be with the Lord. That's really what it should be. When we can say, when we're stepping into eternity, Jesus coming for us, Lord, remember, remember, and you, and you can actually say how I, I walked in truth. My heart was set for you. And I tried to do good. All those things where you let go, where you forgave, and you didn't hold malice, and you let it slide, and you, you gave this time, you gave this energy, you gave these resources, all of it, and it's like, well, it all gets left behind. So it's the heart, it's, it's, it's you, it's you and me on the day of the Lord. And it's eternity. And everything that we live for, we are now reaping. There's no going back. Each day, because it says in Psalm 139 that the days were fashioned for us when as yet there was none of them. So we're definitely determined amount of days. And then Psalm 90 says the days of man are 70 years or by measure of strength 80. That's the sum of Moses. So 70, 80 years. You can count them out. You know, like I did the numbers if you're 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 days earlier. There's, you know, thousands of days, tens of thousands of days as you get older up in your 60s. You know, you're more like you got a few more. And it's like an hourglass, and they're just, we can see what's behind us at 61. We can't see what's above us. 
But the days are fashioned for us when as yet there is none of them. And then there's a day when the day is done. And it's complete. Our resume will speak for itself. What we sowed, we will reap. That's what will be for all eternity. What we sowed in time is what we will reap for eternity. If the measure we put in for the kingdom is the measure we'll get back. If we took two minus and made four, that's what we get in eternity. If we got five and we made ten, that's what we get in eternity. If we got one and we buried it, it doesn't even look good for eternity. You know those parables. To her, to him who has, more will be given. And to him who doesn't have, her who doesn't have, even what they have is taken from them. And it really is about sowing and growing in time, which prepares us for eternity and glory. So if we're not happy with what we see in the mirror today, when eternity comes, then today is the day to turn it around and to make good choices because choices become habits. Choices become our character. Habit becomes our legacy. And then it's eternity. And if we've made bad choices with compound elements, we need to start making good choices with compound elements. And the Lord is always for us when we make those decisions. God is faithful. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. And wherever there's been defeat in your life, you can claim victory tonight because we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. We don't have to settle. We can, we can turn it up. That's why I love Colonel Sanders, Harlan Sanders. I just am so fascinated with this man who, whose, co- whose business person friendship, his business partner, was killed in cold blood right next to him at one point in his life. His son died before he did. The motel business he had in Kentucky burned to the ground. He was on Social Security in his early 60s, couldn't live off of it, had his great chicken recipe, not the one you get at KFC right now, was rejected 312 times with this recipe for a vision of a business model to sell his chicken in his mid-60s. And right about the 315th time, someone believed in it, and the rest is Kentucky Fried Chicken, which he took with his profits to support Billy Graham Evangelistic Association and Jerry Falwell's ministry for the rest of his life. So you older people, it's never too late to start cooking your chicken and find your recipe, right? Oh, I just tell you, it's winning time. You know, they say in sports, especially with football, that the vast majority of scoring in a football game goes on in the last two minutes of the first half and the second half because there's a greater urgency. You're sharper. They're more focused. Tom Brady, Mahomes, they all get sharper because every moment is so critical. It's more properly managed than the beginning of the first quarter. I'm like, well, I'm in the two-minute warning. So let's be focused and let's cook our chicken and let's get that recipe going. It's never too late to write a really good final chapter to a story that otherwise was rather not good or even mundane. It's always there to make that choice. Then finally is the emotional element. So we have temporal and others and left behind. We have eternal and self and going towards eternity. Remember, O oh Lord. But this last one is interesting because it says Hezekiah wept bitterly. He wept bitterly. And of course, the most bitter weeping always comes with fear of death or the reality of death. But the thing about the weeping that got my attention here is it's emotional, isn't it? Weeping, crying is emotional. It's so emotional that even today when I was working on this study and I kind of turned it down for a little bit, I was working on the study and just kind of resting. 
And I'm going over my mind, like I'm letting the Holy Spirit, my mind, the Rubik's Cube, starting to put it all together, just putting the whole side together. And as he's doing it, I'm thinking of my mom, and I start crying. I'm thinking of my dad, when I picked up my dad to go say goodbye to my mom on that last night. I'm thinking of Leah coming down with Timmy to say goodbye to my mom in her last 12 hours of planet Earth in her journey. I just start crying. Death makes you cry. You know, there's times in your life when you've really been hurt by the loss of a loved one, we, the Holy Spirit just touches your heart and you just, you have no control over it. Anyone like that? Raise your hand. Are you like that? The Lord can just bring something to your mind and you just, you're helpless. That's why sometimes I just cry in this pulpit because he's like, oh, remember your son? Uh, and I'm just helpless. I have no control over that emotion. I just weep. I, I don't want to weep publicly when I weep publicly. Hey, last week I'm talking about Jack McEwen singing for Trinity Jameson and I start crying because it's such a powerful emotion. Ten years later, I still just, it crushes me. And he wept and he wept before the Lord. Here's the thing about the emotion of death, though, when death is near. And this is really the kicker. Because in order is for the people left behind. That they're going to they're gonna live on this planet, my grandkids, till 20, 90, maybe the next, you know, next century, right? Okay. And then each generation they go, but I'm going to eternity, so I got to get ready. I'm catching the flight. I'm waving goodbye at San Diego Airport in the 70s. I'm saying goodbye, and I'm not coming back. And we've got in order for them to take care and live their life, how it's going to be. And God bless you. You know, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, go get them. I'm done. You still got yours in front of you. But... There's a transitory element with this when people are dying because you're sharing the human experience of the most powerful, gripping human experience of eternity and time at the same time. And someone's dying, they're going, and others are staying, they're staying. One is eternal, the other is temporal. One gets all left behind, one has to figure out what is left behind, and in the middle of it is God over our lives in that moment. We're sharing it together. I was... Thinking back to when Christy Estes was, before she stepped into eternity, who he loved so much, Eric's wife now in glory. But the last time I saw her, I was in that room talking to her about surfing, surfing with her future son-in-law, Brady. Kimberly, her daughter, was in the room. Eric was in the room, and I was in the room, and she was in tremendous, and I mean tremendous physical pain. And it was all there. I'm weeping, looking at her, trying not to cry, but she's in so much pain, I've got tears in my eyes. She's got tears from pain. Eric and Kimberly are there, and it's like we're sharing this space in time, space, and matter. She's going, we're staying. I'm going to do the memorial. I'm going to do the wedding in September. This is the human experience in 2022. That's when I was with her, I knew she wasn't going to make it to the wedding day. I knew I'd be dancing at the wedding in San Clemente with Kimberly and Brady and all the people in the Deans. I knew I'd be there, but I knew she wouldn't. And that's such a raw, vulnerable human emotion. It's just ripped open, and there's nothing you can do about it. I just see, I see the whole panoramic, and it's so real and raw. You can't, you can't stop the sting of death. And you definitely don't want to stop the joy of life. You can never let the sting of death rob you of the joy of life. Because Jesus said, I came that you might have life and that more abundantly. And these things I've spoken to you that your joy would be full. And that's why I tell people, listen, you should dance at every wedding. 
because there's be plenty of days you'll want to cry. That day will come. So make sure you recognize the chance to dance. And if you feel like you're the village idiot out there, just start moving. One step, two step, you know, you know, just listen, live the moment. Live the moment because this is a human experience and we can't get from zero to 80. We're going to dedicate Mark Coke up here very soon. Just a few moments. And we're sitting him before the Lord with 80 years plus. We got him going to the next century. And he's going to know love and he's going to know heartache and he's going to know health and he's going to know sickness. He's going to know joy and he's going to know sorrow because Ecclesiastes 3 says these things happen to everybody. There's a time to be born. There's a time to die. There's a time of peace and a time of war. There's a time to embrace. There's a time to refrain from embracing. Has not God appointed them all. And so this, this experience that death is near, I don't like it. I don't like it at all. But I know when it's near, I want Jesus Christ over every element of it, over all of it. I want God in the room when we're crying when we're in pain, when we're laughing while we're in pain, because so often when people are grieving, they're laughing about stories and they start sobbing and it goes up and down. It is all over the place. And as a pastor, you just try and, you just try and read it and go with it. Sometimes say nothing, sometimes say this. Most of the time, just don't say anything. Because this third thing, when he's weeping bitterly before the Lord, that's the human experience. And this is the thing where it's together. The others... You're leaving them behind, the house in order. You, you're going to eternity. That's you and the Lord. You're going towards heaven. They're still here. They're left behind. And in the middle are you and your loved ones sharing the raw emotion of eternity in time. And it's a time of transition. You're going, they're staying. And it's so raw and vulnerable. Yet it's the place of faith and is a place where faith triumphs because Jesus is the object of our faith. And I say this all the time. Your greatest moment as a disciple of Jesus Christ is your last breath on planet earth because everything's moving toward that faith that says, I believe Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the resurrection and life. And like Martha and Mary, we say, yes, Lord, I believe. And he's going to raise us up. He's going to come for you when you're looking at the wall like he did for Melissa Henning Camp. That's what's going to happen. God has reserved that your best moment, your greatest moment of faith in a life of faith is your last. Because you're going to be like, there's no more options except to just look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And he'll finish it when he comes in glory for us to receive us into his presence. Yeah, it's the greatest moment. We're moving toward our greatest moment. And as we're in this transitional period, it's his word that comforts us. The word is living and powerful, sharpening to his sword. It pierces bone and marrow. See, the words and philosophies of men in world religions cannot do what the word of God does for us in the place where we're near death. Trust me, the words of Buddha, Muhammad, and Moses are all incomplete, or Marx and Lenin and these other guys, they're all incomplete. They can't do what the words of Christ alone do. And isn't that our hope and glory tonight? I'm not trusting in Confucius on the day of eternity when death is near. I'm trusting in Jesus who conquered the grave. Jesus, you rose and conquered the grave. So someday you will hear that Joey Brand has stepped into eternity. You know, I'm good. And someday I'll hear that you stepped into eternity. And maybe I'll be there with you like I was with John in the thumbs up, or with Christy, and what the Lord told me to share with her when I was left alone in the room with her. 
We're going to glory. I have finished my race. I've kept the faith. And I fought the good fight, is what Paul said. It is now laid up for me the crown of righteousness the Lord has prepared for me, but not only me, but to all those who love his appearing. And I do think I speak for most of us. We will love his appearing. So be encouraged, body of Christ. Be encouraged, church of Jesus Christ, worship generation. Because you will face this day, as I will. And I want all of us to face this day with the greatest joy in our hearts of triumph. And we will face this season. And I don't want us to face it in fear. I want us to face it in faith with firm convictions, as Paul said, knowing who we believed in and we're persuaded he's able to keep that which you've committed to him until that day. You've been listening to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Baran. If you would like more information about the ministry of Worship Generation, visit us online at www.worshipgeneration.com where you can listen to the podcast of today's entire message. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and our church YouTube channel. Worship Generation is located at 10350 Ellis Avenue in Fountain Valley, California. Our service times are Saturday evenings at 6 p.m. and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. For more information about Pastor Joey personally, you can follow him on his Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube channel. Thanks for listening, and God bless.